we're gonna chime in tonight on some Lovecraft because we we're getting down to the wire. We got we're gonna have two episodes left, yeah. and oh boy, I'm, I'm this one was terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. A lot of people have been saying that, and you know what? I probably would feel the same way um, if. Uh, unfortunately, because I saw, I, I watched it yesterday, um, and I already saw some images online that kind of spoiled it for me. So I think I was already prepared when I saw the episode uh, for some of the images that we're going to discuss <laughs> that terrified mm-hmm. everyone else. Yes, yeah, he still no. All right, let's get into it. Cause, All yeah. right. <laughs> Real snobs, we Hi. are back. Yes, <laughs> um, I you? am. I am good. I am Cicely Joy, and you are Kalina Michelle. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and we're back for another episode where we are going to break down Lovecraft Country episode eight, Jigabobo. Mm-mm. I, just the name alone, I was like, we're about to get into some mess. Man, this episode is one I like the name mm-hmm. I like the name I like the kind of double entendre I guess it's not mm-hmm. an entendre no that's not right uh, it's not a double entendre it's just more the the play on words where of course we're talking about the theme of Jigaboo mm-hmm. and then also a heavy theme throughout the show is the murder of Emmett Till who <laughs> is known as Bobo yeah. or Boo Boo it's a bo- it's no Bobo Bobo, Bobo. Mm-hmm. um yeah. One thing I wanted to say, because even though, you know, growing up as African-American, you grow up knowing these terms, what a jigaboo is and all that. I wanted to actually look this up okay. to to understand exactly the definition, because I know that it's going to play into a lot of symbolism throughout the show. Mm-hmm. And jigaboo is a, if you don't know what a jigaboo is, it's a derogatory term for a black person. And um, the actual word uh, stems, it's, it's a Bantu word that means um, servant, servant, like a, indicating meek or servile individuals. Mm. And so um, they also use the term to describe a very stereotypical black person. And that's the dark skin with the wide grin and the, the red lips and the, um, you know, all of the kind of minstrel type um, mm-hmm. imagery that we know um, we've seen. So that is what is considered a Jigaboo. Now the name Jigga um, Bobo is a play on Bobo Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. Cause again, we're talking about Emmett Till. Um, so I thought that was pretty clever. Mm-hmm. How did you feel overall about this episode? Uh, I said it already terrifying. I actually um, started looking around corners, dark corners <laughs> in my house. Did you see this in the dark? You watched I watched it, in the dark? it. Yeah, I watched it in the dark, and I shouldn't have. Uh, I sure did too. I just realized. I really shouldn't have uh, because it also reminded me of that movie. Um, it follows that really, oh, really creeped me out. Yes, yes. Yeah, so yes. It, it had a, it had those elements in it too. So I was just like, absolutely not. What I don't want to see, um, as this is October 2020, 
I don't want to see this uh, ending up as Halloween costumes. This That's what I don't want to see. It better not. I just, but this, you know, the world we're living in now and the state we're living in now, that's, I'm just, I'm putting out there. Don't, don't, do don't stop it. If you thought about it, Mm-mm. don't. Okay. Um, I rebuke you in the name because <laughs> I don't have time. So overall, this episode, I felt like, so how all the episodes are, it's almost like a whole different theme. Like we started off with kind of this monster theme and then we went to horror horror then we went to like indiana jones and then the kind of went to like sci sci-fi mm-hmm. um more like um science fiction real science fiction and fantasy and i feel like it's kind of coming back into the horror um which is nice uh, i think it it's a little bit of a palate cleanser from the previous episode and it's smart and- too because it's october and that's what yes. people kind of have on their minds they want the spook factor and it they gave it to us Certainly, yeah. So let's get let's get right into the this recap. Yeah. Um, do you want to so, you want to do it or you want me to do it? I'll do okay. it, and um, again, you know, chime in, stop me wherever. Okay. Um. So okay, this this episode opens up. Um, I I'm going to read what my notes were as I was watching it because I started watching it and then I stopped probably within just two minutes because I got busy. So what I wrote was it opens with a possible rally or perhaps a funeral Mm. of Emmett Till, Bobo. And then I, of course, as I uh, continued watching, I realized this was a funeral or um, the wake Mm -hmm. of Emmett Till. And I thought it was very clever how they opened this up because you just see a massive amount of people, mostly black people, but a massive amount of people in their Sunday best outside in this hot, hot summer. They have, um, I can't remember the name of the song, but this 80s song, um, uh, about summer mm-hmm. um, playing and there's just a, a crowd and the cops are kind of like, um, uh, you know, telling people or navigating people off the streets and all that. And you're like, okay, what's going on? I you knew it wasn't pe- a rally or a riot because the police were actually being somewhat humane. Yeah. So it yeah. wasn't quite clear at first, like you said, um, until you started seeing people leave the building and then they were vomiting and like, yep. well, oh my God, he looks horrible, that sort of thing. And that's when I, and if you don't, they, they explain this later, but if you don't really know what happened to Emmett Till, um, Emmett was um, a young boy who what was he, 14? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, or so. 14 or 15. And he, he was murdered. Um, he was murdered by these white men. Not only Two white murdered, men that they actually beaten. named in this episode. Yes. Yeah. They beat him. They murdered him. Um, they they dragged him. They um, they did a lot of things, and then ended up um, throwing him into the river. And the result of his body normally would be like a closed casket, something that you would never want anyone to see. But his mother chose to have it an open casket because she wanted people to see what these people did to her baby. Right. And so the imagery, the second I saw that woman leave the building throwing up and people uh, talk about the smell because mm-hmm. it's hot summer and all that, I knew exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, and you see basically all of South Chicago um, in pain and mourning, you see the nation of Islam, you see Christian um, uh, pastors out there speaking out against this atrocity. Mm-hmm. And um, this, uh, this event is, again, a, a theme that continues throughout the episode. 
So D is standing. D is, um, of course, Hippolyta's daughter. Yeah. She is standing outdoors um, in the heat with Tick and Letty and Montrose. And um, it's just kind of, you know, yeah, they're she's a trying, little bit in disbelief. Yeah, kind of in disbelief. They're just trying to get in. And with all the crowds and the heat and the smell, and she just can't take it. And she's just like, yeah. you know what? I don't need to be here. Um, and they take their eyes off of them for a minute. Who was it that, was it Montrose that went ahead I think and so. tried to get some water or something like that for Letty? So, yeah, well, um, Letty, of course, is standing in this heat and we know she's pregnant and with everything, she's obviously kind of not feeling the best. So Tick passes her her water. Montrose, I think, goes to, uh, to get more water. Mm-hmm. So they, they take their eye off of um, D and Letty wants to tell D the truth about Hippolyta. Yeah. But Montrose and everyone's like, no, don't, you know, it's it's not going to, you know, how's that going to help her? She just lost her yeah. best friend, blah, blah, blah. So Dee wanders off because she just can't take it. And Tick and Letty go, are, they're supposed to go looking for her. But really, Letty is the only one that goes looking for her at that time. Um, Tick wanders off somewhere else, which we'll explain in a second. Um, so then the title scene comes up. And the title scene are two very scary images like silhouettes of what we will know as the jigaboos or I will call them by their actual names and their names are um, Bopsy and Topsy Mm -hmm. and I'll explain who they are when we get closer to that part and then there's a little hair bow as like a little symbol um so we go um so we go Back to D wandering into town. Interesting and, um, fact about this scene. Keep 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 going. I'm sorry. Yeah. So she's looking into stores. You see, these stores are all closed and shut down for the because of the death of Emmett Till. Because everyone is there at the wake and all. And she sees these two girls, um, these two black girls that are outside enjoying some ice cream, specifically vanilla ice cream. Is that the mm-hmm. fact that you were going to mm-hmm. talk about? Go ahead. So, not not the talk about of the girls you know, oh. enjoying ice cream so much, but just mm-hmm. this scene in general. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What, what were you going to so, talk about? Um, she's going to. She's walking down the street, and mm-hmm. of course, these girls they're eating ice cream and they're laughing and they're joking, and she turns around at them. And she's, you could see how angry she is. She picks up rocks and she starts throwing them at her, at the girls and yelling. And she's so angry. It's almost like seeing her, like, don't you know, like, who just died? What's going on? on? How can you be happy? Yeah, she said there's nothing to be happy about or something. She said to them, she screamed like there's nothing to laugh about, something like that. And um, it it was a really painful experience. performance for me i was like man she must yeah. be really feeling it and the funny thing was when she walked away they lingered on the store shop window that said close yeah. for emmett till for just a second and yeah. i was like man i can't even imagine back in the day what that would have felt like i mean so yeah. let's put it we're gonna mark this scene because this is going to come back in something i want to talk okay. about later but one small fact that I, I found, uh, I, I didn't think about, but I um, put two and two together was um, the girls were drink, were eating uh, vanilla mm-hmm. ice cream. And why that's significant is during Jim Crow time, um, black people were um, um, 
denied our for I guess for forbidden <laughs> forbidden uh, from having vanilla ice cream specifically. Are you serious? And I yes, and I I'm trying to remember exactly the reason, but it's like vanilla represented America. It's like that's America's ice cream. That's the <laughs> and that was some was some random bullshit type rule that they could not sell vanilla ice cream to black people. Are you serious? Don't know. I did not I'm know very that. Serious. So it's kind of like to see those girls like laughing and enjoying this ice cream and something like that they're not supposed to. And then D also throwing rocks at them, even though we know the reason why she was and stuff. It's kind of like a double nod to the times too. Like they were doing something wrong. Double. <laughs> double. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So right after that, she turns down this alley this relatively dark mm-hmm. alley and the police car pulls up on her and it's the uh, sheriff who's the leader of mm-hmm. that uh, as Sons of Adam clan yeah. and his deputy yeah. and of course they know who she is because they were looking for her after the last episode because they had her um, her comic book comic, yeah. and so they were like hey are you D Freeman D Andrew Freeman something like that and, what's her name is it Deandra? Uh, Deandra, you're Deandra Freeman. She's like, yes. Like, what do you want? Yeah, I'm here. What's going on? And they, you know, rough her up a little bit. They basically they ask her, what does she know about magic? And she's like, they asked about talking about. They were like, what do you know about the orrery? What do you know about this? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, she denies everything, but you could tell like she's starting to panic. And then um, they ask her about magic. She's like, what? Like in fantasy books? Like, I don't know what you're even talking about. Mm-hmm. And then he, the uh, captain starts um, it, like doing some kind of incantation in that language. And he, yeah. they, they draw a little something on the ground he around spits, her feet. And he spits they spit on her. On her they spit, he spits in his hand and then wipes the spit on her forehead while yeah. chanting something. And mm-hmm. the while they're chanting, she's staring behind them, and on the wall of the alley is a cream, cream of wheat of guy. Wheat? I think was it the cream of wheat guy or the grits yeah. guy? And yeah. um, he was staring at her. You know how they have those advertisements that look like they're staring right at you, and yeah. it was kind of really like creeping me out. And I thought they were going to kill her because they had her in a bit of a chokehold. Well, she kind of pla- um, she kind of blacked yeah. out for a second. Like, yeah, so I yeah. thought she was going to die. And then, you know, it jumps back and she's breathing again and they just walk off. And she's sitting there disgusted yeah. and like scared. Like, what? I got the slobber on my head. Like, what the hell? You know? And, and then yeah. she, you know, takes off into that alley and keeps going. But those eyes from the advertisement actually follow, follow her. <laughs> and that's when I knew immediately, I was like, oh, this is some old it follows type mess. I know what's coming. Yes. Said, this is about to be some mess, okay? So then, um, I, a quick interesting thing about this scene, though, I know that this was shot in and mm-hmm. around Atlanta, the whole series. That particular scene mm-hmm. was shot on Mitchell Street in downtown Atlanta. Ah, which is okay. which has a okay. very deep uh, history in Black Atlanta because there was, in fact, the area where those girls were coming out of 
it looked like they were coming out of some like marquee type building. So that yeah. particular building used to be the Sco- Scoville Hotel here in Atlanta. That was one of the only hotels mm-hmm. that allowed uh, back in the 40s and 50s black people to be able to be patrons of the hotel. So oh, other wow. than that, black people had to stay in the black side of town. But in downtown Atlanta, yeah. the Scoville was one of the only places where they, uh, they actually let black people stay there. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. That like goes with the whole kind yeah, of guidebook. Yes, it was in the guidebook. Yeah, years ago. Wow. So yeah, very interesting. Um, a bit of history there. So the next scene, uh, we find Letty returning to her house um, to find um, a woman um, waiting there. And this woman mm-hmm. is Gia. And she's saying she's looking for Atticus. So yeah. that's that scene. <laughs> uh, this episode like goes from scene to scene to scene. Which I actually quickly, appreciated. But, uh, I was like, come on, move the story yeah. along. Because at one point, yes. I, was like, I like that we're delving into these characters. It's great. But I really want to know what happens because this is, you know. Yeah, they're which moving is great. along. I was they're so happy with the page. Really good. But go ahead. So, and then it jumps to an, a scene where Tick, who we thought, you know, should be looking for D, is actually walking through a cemetery directly into a mausoleum. Um, and he meets mm-hmm. with Christina, who's waiting for him. And we find out that he basically, um, um, he asked her to teach him mm-hmm. a spell and um she and he offers the ori key to her so she she goes ahead and she teaches him this protection symbol she writes this protection symbol on like the wall just for him to know and she says that it requires i think like intent a body blood whatever something like certain things and so he knows that similar to the same spell that her father did i think in episode two um, it, it's a spell that can kind of kill, kill, kill you. Um, so we understand, uh, we, we find out a little later kind of his, his immediate need for this spell. Of course, at that time, we're just thinking because of all the events and stuff, he just wants, he wants to learn yeah. some magic. He's, um, she, when, uh, she leaves out, it's interesting that she calls mm-hmm. him cousin. And I, I just thought that was kind of ooh, why I found found that interesting is slowly but surely, and we will I will kind of speak on this again later. There is this softening to Christina that is happening. Mm. <laughs> and I and that that for her to say that kind of stood out to me because, you know, as far as they are no, they're not really related. Not much. really. <laughs> Distantly. And and for for a white woman to kind of own um a familiar bond with a black man, yeah. that says a lot. Um so when she's leaving out, he asks her about the um autumn yep. equinox and what's gonna happen, and that basically makes her freeze like in her tracks. Um and she explains that it, she will achieve the greatest feat that anyone from the sons of Adam and all the order um, that no one else has done. And that's mm-hmm. immortality. So um, in the next scene, Dee returns home to her actual home and she confronts Montrose who's waiting there for her about yeah. Hippolyta. Um, and Montrose lies and tells her she's on a guide trip, but um, she says she knows everyone's lying. She's like, you know, really just 
over it, frustrated from not only losing her friend, but just her mother not being there and essentially not having either. Yeah, because she's there. like, you know, my mom wouldn't have missed this memorial service for Emmett. Yeah, she yeah. will want to know about yeah. this and all. So she runs to the bathroom to try to scrub off the spit from her forehead. And it's cute because uh, I didn't realize this until um, I heard someone mention it. Um, she puts on this cap and the significance of this baseball cap is it's the Chicago. Uh, the team is the Chicago Americans or Chicago something. And it was like one of the all black, the first oh, one of the Negro black, leagues um, baseball okay. teams. Nice. Yeah. For Chicago. Um, so as she is, you know, trying to scrub her forehead and all that, there's a bookshelf in the bathroom, which is actually kind of interesting because I'm like, okay, have a, like an actual little library of books <laughs> in the toilet. That's fine. And um, one of the books at the front is mm-hmm. Uncle Tom's Cabin. And you see this, um, the illustration of the front has uh, two figures, one of them being mm-hmm. Bopsy the character Bopsy from Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is the quote-unquote jigaboo that the show is alluding to. Um, so she bumps that um, that book off and um, and leaves. But I think when she, she looks at it, she's starting to see It's that, staring um, at her. She picks a book up or something. Yeah, like something is off with the image. So she's starting yeah, to hallucinate. Yeah, and it's, it's um, she turned on the radio to kind of just drown out how she was feeling and everything. And the music changed. Yeah. The song changed to yes. some song about like, knock, 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 stop knocking at the door, let me in, something like that. Like, because it was like some like jazz song that. that was playing, you know. And then it changed when she noticed the book. And it was like, knock, knock, mm-hmm. knock, let me in, let me in. And it got louder and louder. It was so, oh, girl, that's, that's what I'm saying. And then <laughs> I gotta go back and look really, at that scene. Really creepy. And then when the when she noticed that the girl on the book cover was staring at her, she got really freaked out, and she yeah. decided to leave out the window because yeah. the book <laughs> falls over itself. Yes. And she was like, yes, "Oh hell yes. no!" Okay, yeah, so she, she didn't. Knock knock she, the book fell over itself, and she was like, "Nope!" And she ran out the window. And of course, Montrose <laughs> is also knocking on the door. And so yes, she was just like, yeah. there's a lot going on. So she was like, let me just get out of here. It's just something weird's happening. Yeah, next scene. So next scene, we find Ruby walking up to the Braithwaite uh, estate. And she's looking for keys to open the gate. And there's a white man that's there, I guess, maybe a gardener or something around. And he approaches her asking, like, hey, are you the uh, cleaning lady or maid? And she's and you know, she's like, hell no, or whatever. And, of course, um, he's questioning her, basically, like, why she's here. And because of how she responds, she, quote, unquote, talks back or has sass, as he yeah. once said. Um, he starts you know, getting a little aggressive with her at the same time, mm-hmm. William um, pulls up and he, um, he calms everything down. And, you know, the guy's like, Oh, you know her. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, okay, well, I, I just want to make sure. And um, with everything that's going on and we know kind of what Ruby has experienced and stuff, she just had, yeah. she's had enough. She's grieving um, Bobo and she is basically, um, is comforted by mm-hmm. William, who we know is actually Christina, and we know that she knows that's Christina at the time. 
So during in this vulnerable state that she's in, um, she is undressed and bathed by William. Um, she they kiss, and this is the first time we've seen um, them be affectionate since um, it's been revealed who mm-hmm. William actually is. Um, and so as they kiss, you know she's struggling. You can tell she's struggling with her feeling feel feelings for William knowing that Mm -hmm. it's really Christina Uh, and to kind of I guess drown out all of this confusion she decides to take the potion and basically they make love as Mm -hmm. was it Hillary I think Hillary and William Um, and uh, this scene is interesting because as they are uh, having sex uh, she starts transforming Mm -hmm. back and, you know, like her skin is peeling away and all of that in this like moment of climax. And it's just like, oh I know, I was like, damn, is... what in the world does all this mean? <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's quite messy, but it's also very symbolic because it's kind of like, you know, her trying to escape, escape in again, as Hillary escaped from her problems and stuff, escape from the, the conflicting feelings of, who William is and her, but her, what her, what she desires and just wanting to just allow herself to be, but, you know, by her shedding um, the skin, you know, she still can't really escape it. And uh, it was, there was a lot going on in that scene. Um, The next scene we find Tick returning to Letty's house. And before he even gets into the house, he kind of stops short seeing, um, the shoes outside the house, which is um, customary to Korean and other um, um, Asian cultures to not, you know, bring your outside mm-hmm. shoes into the house where often people eat on the floor, sleep yeah. on the floor, things like that. And so he knows he knows what's up and um, he walks in to find um, Letty sitting at the table, right. not looking happy at all with Gia there. Uh, across from her and yeah that's that scene (laughs) um it jumps to a scene where d is basically catching the train um what did they call the the no that's the the elevated train or is that the the l train um, goes up to the train station she's waiting on the platform the platform's relatively crowded but through the crowd she's sensing something so she looks over and it's the uh, staircase that's kind of darkened a bit and the staircase is empty but you keep staring the camera keeps staring at it and you see some movement and it jumps back to her eyes she's like am I seeing stuff then it goes back and you see one of the girls walking up the stairs backwards I was just like see here Mm -hmm. we here we go you know what this reminded me of Cicely Remember that scene what? in The Wiz? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, no. You, you, know you, already, about. you already know. Oh, my goodness. I can't the watch one it scene even I to this day. I just it can't. freaks me out. The subway scene freaks me out. The subway scene. Yeah, no. See, that, that, even that music, <laughs> even that music freaks me out. That's what I got vibes from that Ooh, immediately yeah. as soon as that girl came up yes. the stairs. And I was like, man, the, the, the things that freak people out especially black people it's almost it's it's weird how yes. it's so similar to that subway scene from like the 70s it's so weird yeah. anyway she walks up backwards and then oh 
There's two of them because one pops out and stares at her with this crazy big red grin and these bloodshot beady eyes and this hair. And she's like, what the hell? Like she's, she's like, what is this? <sighs> and the girls just, you know, they're whispering to each other like, there she is, there she is. And they just start coming after her. And they're kind of dancing and, in a really weird, yeah, in a very way. creepy dance. And it's childish, but it's still just very off. And it's just creepy. And she's yeah. just trying to get away now. She sees this and she's like, and she asks, she bumps into a, a white man standing beside and her. Like, and she asks, Do you uh, see this? Okay. And he's nothing. like, What? No, and I don't so see she anything. runs to get away it, from them because clearly they're coming towards her. And at first, I didn't think yeah. that they were going to follow her the whole way. But I, 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 yeah, that, that creeped me out. So they try to reach out for her and then their growing, nails yes. start like growing into these claws. It's, it's so disgusting. But so now we're seeing, we're actually seeing Bopsy and Topsy. And I want to go back to that mm-hmm. scene with the girls and the ice cream. Those <gasps> really? were the same girls. I believe so. So I remember seeing that scene and you can't, you can't see those girls very clear. It's kind of from far away, but one was light skin and one was dark skin. And I believe those were the same girls and the same, and almost in the same manner, like she threw rocks at them, screaming at them, saying what's there to laugh about and how they were kind of giggling and stuff in the same scene when they first showed up at the um, subway or the, the train yeah. and they were kind of whispering at each other. It oh, was the girl. same type of thing. And See, I'm like, no. those were the girls. So basically these, these girls are the, are Bopsy and Topsy yeah. are like demons or, or some, some kind of some, something yeah. from this curse that, um, that D has. So, um, yeah, so so scary, man. So scary. So um, mm-hmm. the next scene, she gets away. <laughs> she gets away, um, and then the next scene, we are back at uh, Letty's house, and Tick is now um, talking uh, to Gia and basically asks, "So you're a succubus?" And she explains mm-hmm. being a kamiho and explains her power and you know yeah. everything that we've already learned, and. Um, and then he questions her vision about his death and, and she doesn't really have any answers. So yeah. Tick is like, then why the fuck are you here? <laughs> if you have no answers, like, how are you going to help? And um, Letty answers because she loves you. And then she's walk, she walks away very hurt and mad and all that, which you can understand. Yeah, like, and I mean, she's feeling a certain way because she's pregnant and stuff. Understand. So it's just, yeah, it's a lot. I was like, Letty too. Yeah. So, Tick yells at yeah, Gia, yeah. basically tells her to get the fuck out and then runs out, uh, runs after Letty and Letty is pissed that she had to yeah, find out her. through mm-hmm. Gia from all, like all of this. And, you know, uh, Tick is trying to convince her, you know, he just, uh, whatever he needs to convince her to just calm her down. But eventually he leaves and he says, I'm going to go and make this right. And then um, that he mm-hmm. wants to go and cast a spell Letty's trying to stop mm-hmm. him, but he basically goes. Yep. That's how that scene is. Um, next scene, we are back at uh, Christina, the break. Interesting, interesting fact about this house. I don't um, know about the interior of the house, but the exterior of the house, I don't know if you recognize it mm-hmm. at all. It's, uh, I believe it is the um, Coca-Cola mansion in Inman Park. It looks very similar. 
And that mansion oh. was owned by the founder of Coca-Cola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He lived oh, there. Um, I didn't know that. He and his family lived there for years. And it's, it's considered an historic um, landmark here in yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. It looked just like it. I was like, I Look think that's it for real. But I know they shot it in Inman Park. But man, um, I, you know, when like Corona type stuff lifts, hopefully in the future, that, that yeah, would be would. a really dope tour yeah. for, um, for Lovecraft. Um, so we're back at their uh, mansion. And now after, you know, the lovemaking and stuff, Ruby and Christina, um, uh, Ruby confronts Christina and she is speaking about um, Bobo and basically telling her how, you know, ask her like if she even cares mm-hmm. or if she's even hurt by it. Is she is she even feel shame because of her of being white and and knowing her privilege and not having to deal with this pain and you know she's just she's venting. Um, basically, like I what I got from the scene is Ruby Ruby feels something, yeah. whether it's for Christina or Will, yeah. she feels something for this person, and but she's conflicted with her kind of responsibility right. as a black woman and everything that's going on and needs to know that this person that she's feeling something for is, is aligned to like, it can accept her pain can, can be in her pain with her right. can support her, all this stuff. Um, she's fighting her so many uh, battles. Um, and Christina mm. basically is like, no, I don't care. I don't care and mm. I don't think you really do either. <laughs> um, and so this whole scene is basically displaying yeah. their social differences. And this is a, this is a talk I'm and sure a lot of interracial of... couples have. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when these situations happen that really that really show that d- divided line. And she explains how that she took the potion on that day specifically, the day of the funeral, because she just did. She wanted a moment where she didn't have to be a black, yeah. a black woman fucking a white man, um, and kind of having to deal with probably yeah. the portrayal she feels with that. Um, so Christina, yeah, says admits that she doesn't care and that Ruby doesn't either. And um, but it's, it's weird though away. because she said she didn't um, care, and she didn't think that she did either, but. She was just she she kind of was just showing her that look at the end of the day, all of us are human, and whether you do you feel a certain way, you're gonna do whatever you need to do to get out of that feeling. And see, Ruby has an out that most of those black people don't have, and Ruby chose to take that out, yeah. even if it was fake, even if it's for a moment. And I think that was what I Christina think, was trying to tell her. I. I feel like Christina was really saying like all of this stuff is beneath us because there's so much, there are bigger things Mm. in store for us. Like all these human affairs that you're going through, you don't have to deal with them because Mm. they're big, like magic is, it will create the world you want. Well, that's like, basically you can have anything you want. So you don't have to feel like you really don't care because you have magic at your disposal. So you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I see what you're saying. So next scene, um, now we find D who has left the, the, the train uh, platform, the elevated train platform. And she, mm-hmm. she gets to Letty's house looking for Tick and Letty is leaving and she tries to tell Letty about mm-hmm. uh, uh, Topsy and Bopsy because she's seeing yeah. them like, again, on the street approaching her. 
And, um, but she can't, she tries to actually say, say, you know, this is what I'm seeing, but she can't, it's like she spelled, yeah. that she can't actually even say it. Um, and Letty basically leaves, um, just exhausted from what, you know, dealing with what she had to deal with. And so, um, before Dee leaves, uh, she actually sees George's car, her uncle, or her father, not uncle George, um, her, her father's car hidden, um, at Letty's house, kind mm-hmm. of behind some bushes and stuff before, um, leaving to escape Bopsy and Topsy approaching her. So now it's kind of confirmation that they know something about her mom, mm-hmm. that people are lying to her, all that shit. Next scene, um, we find Tick and Montrose, I think back at, um, Dee's house or Hippolyta's house, I would guess. And Tick asked Montrose, kind of, you know, going from the previous episode, mm-hmm. um, finding out about his father being um, gay, he asked if his mom, if he cheated on his mother. And Montrose, mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry, they were sitting outside um, talking about this. And Montrose admits to having desires, but never mm-hmm. acting on it until she was gone. As, um, Montrose talks about, like, um, being a child and this gay priest that he knew um, and how when he was caught, he was thrown in an asylum mm-hmm. and basically lobotomized and all that. And that he chose to have a life over the asylum. So he chose basically to, you know, um, suppress his desires and his urges to have yeah. a quote unquote normal life, um, knowing that the outcome is probably, you know, what he witnessed yeah. that um, priests went through. So... Tick at that time tells Montrose that he knows that mm-hmm. Letty is pregnant. Um, that, you know, she, she hasn't told him, but that he went through, and now we finally find out mm-hmm. what happened a little bit to Tick. That he also mm-hmm. went through the portal, which we saw he went through the portal, but he went to the future. And how he found out that Letty is pregnant is um, he hands Montrose the book. He has Lovecraft that Lovecraft country book that he ended up mm-hmm. with when he came back from the future. Um, and the author is George Freeman. And at this time we were thinking yeah. that was uncle George alternate universe. But now we know that mm-hmm. George yeah. Freeman is his son in the future. That was cool. So I thought that was pretty dope. Um, next scene, we find Letty at the church praying alone and Christina um, joins her and mm-hmm. we find out that Letty actually summoned Christina and Letty offered her the negatives um, from Titus's mm-hmm. pages of the book of names or whatever. And she asked um, in return yeah. to make Tick invulnerable. And uh, Christina says she will do it, but only mm-hmm. for Letty, not for Tick. And we know now, I mean, we kind of know later that, Christina probably says this because she yeah. needs Tick. She needs to sacrifice him for what she wants. So she, does, mm-hmm. she, doesn't, she doesn't want to make him invulnerable. But um, so at first, Letty's like, no. So Christina walks away, but Letty comes but, um, follows her and she's like, okay, I'll do it. So Christina actually mm-hmm. gives her the mark, mark of Cain saying that it can be, uh, I thought this was interesting and I hope this comes back, but she says it, it also she found out it could mm. be used for to heal someone. So I thought that was interesting because I'm like, either that's going to mm-hmm. come to play later 
or that's going to have some effect on her pregnancy. I don't know. Cause it's kind of like when she had it, I'm like, will that affect the baby? <laughs> will that hurt the baby? But um, essentially, you know, um, she's, she's invulnerable. She's uh, similar to Christina mm-hmm. and Christina's father. Um, yeah. The, the spell that he did. So we're back the next scene we're back with D um she is now downtown at night um across the street looking at these cops um just talking on the road and again we see yeah, the Bopsy and Topsy still man. following and this time D is on her bike and as the the cops get in the car yeah. and they drive away D is following them with yeah. Bopsy and Topsy following her still dancing yeah in a very creepy way um we jump back to Hippolyta's place with Tick and Montrose talking about the key uh, to the Ori. I guess Montrose basically says, like, why would you give her the key? And uh, Tick says, well, um, the, the device uh, doesn't, the, is broken anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so Montrose asks, like, so is Hippolyta really stuck in the future? Mm-hmm. And Tick assumes yes. And so he, he goes into talking about his experience more in this scene. What he says okay. here, I thought was genius. So he, he talks about in the future, he was only there for a second. He said, white folks are rioting. Um, and he was there for a second before a woman with a robotic arm and a hood came, shoved mm. the book in his hand and pushed him back through the portal. And so Machos is asking about the book and he, he reads like a, the, the, the back of the book where it talks about um, mm-hmm. George was inspired by his father, uh, Korean war vet and all that. And that's basically how um, yeah. Tick put two and two together that this is his son. And he asked, well, have you read it? And so Tick says, and this is what I thought was genius. He said, the book is basically our family story. Mm-hmm. And he says, there are some differences. And in it, Christina is a man. George survives Artem. Mm. D is a boy named Horace. And he talks about it ending with Christina sacrificing him okay. to become yeah. immortal on the equinox. Why all of that was genius is because in earlier episodes, we discuss how the certain differences from the book in the show. In the book, mm-hmm. in the actual book, Lovecraft Country, oh. Christina is a man. And they changed her gender in the show, even though I thought it was clever that even though they changed her gender they still right. made her a man by being Will William. Um, we did know George survives Artem. That's one. D is a boy. In the all these things actually happen in the book, so it's oh, kind of like the like, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Course correcting <laughs> or mm-hmm. or acknowledging. Hey, these Very are the differences. And in the book, is still being authentic to the book because it is Lovecraft yeah. Country. It just has a different author in the show. So I thought that was a very clever way of kind of acknowledging the differences and also mm-hmm. kind of correcting it <laughs> um I, I just it's it's almost like a weird fourth yeah. wall moment for the show um <laughs> no I, so I don't know i get off on the, those type of things um so basically he um Manchos is like okay so what are you going to do are you going to do the spell and, and tick is like well what should he do because he feels like in order to cast a spell he may have to kill himself because it, it requires mm-hmm. a body. It requires a sacrifice. Um, but he right. want, he needs to be there to protect his son. 
but he feels like he needs the spell to protect his son. So he kind of feels like he's on a, a, between a rock and a hard place and he asks Machos what he sh- should do. And then yeah. we jump to n- another scene. In this scene, uh, I love this scene so They're much. now back in the castle. I love office. this so much. And, yeah. <laughs> um, they're talking about, you know, they're saying doubting that they, meaning um, whoever, um, Letty and her crew, probably don't know much about magic anyway. So I guess they're, they're basically saying like they're not much of a they're much not much of a threat and they're making their plans on what they're going to do. They pretty much already decided not to even like, I think we forgot to mention that when the cop put the curse on D, he told her to go and get the Ori for him. Like if you, if you yeah. get us the Ori, you know, we'll let you go. But um, as they're talking in the office, they're like, you know, mm-hmm. we're not going to even wait for her or bother with her. And Dee burst into the room and confronts yeah. them, asking if her mom is dead. Um, and what spell did they put on her and all that? And um, oh no, that's where he says, yeah, they t- yeah, because she busts in there if, like I want to. She brings them the orange. Getting stupid, and I, yeah, the audacity of her to do that, like yeah, and I thought it was great. I mean, yes, yeah, she's desperate. Yes. she wants to get rid of those demons following her. Um, but the first thing she asks is whether or not her mom's dead. And I'm like, see, I don't know. I just, I found that scene to be powerful. And they were like, and she was, le- when she left, she was basically, she said, I think she said, fuck you, pig. Did she say that? Oh, my God. Yes. I said, yes, yes. D, fuck she, 12. She cursed them what I'm talking about. Yes. She had a moment. She had a moment yeah, and she, she was speaking you, for pig. the culture. And it stinks in here. Because remember, they got that dead ass dude in the closet. Yes. For whatever reason. Deb- yes. I like that they. they yeah. Like, like, why, why is he in there? It's so the weird. Closet. Anyway. Yeah, don't smell um, that shit. <laughs> and as she's leaving the, the speech. I mean, do you remember what the, the speech was from? It was, I, I, I yep. needed to look up the speech because I've heard it before, but I can't remember what it was, but it's basically yes. about you know representing black girls. Um, it was a, it was a young girl. I can't remember. Who was the youngest Please, no. to speak at the women's march on Washington. She, yeah. The young black girl. She was like, yes. I'm here to speak yes. for the black girls who don't make the headlines and the ones who get ruined all the time. And yeah. As the speech is going on, Dee is like storming down the hallways, the police precinct. She busts outside, Topsy's on her left, Bopsy's on her right, coming after her once again, being creepy and weird. And she's just like, no, I'm going to fight. Like, there yeah. was like, a, almost like a, yeah, she charges at him. She like, charges for toward them. Just very, very yeah. Hippolyta like, yeah. just like from the previous episode. She's like she she summoned yeah. the strength of, from her mother in that yeah. moment and was like, "I am not going to be a victim, <laughs> even if to, no one else can see I'm it. Going I'm going to be a warrior." It, you know? I love it, and it's so it's so yeah. So much of a metaphor and for how many silent battles black women fight, and we feel like we fight alone, and often yes. we are fighting alone. Yes. We feel like we're fighting alone in society, and it was just it was a very powerful scene. No one else sees it. Yeah. No one else sees it, but we're still fighting. And I, I'm so glad you said that because that's how I felt. Like, 
watching this episode and watching her struggle through not only her mom's gone, her best friend's gone, then she got these like invisible demons to fight and no one's there to help her and no one believes her. It's a lot. (sighs) Powerful. So, okay. Now we're back on the scene. Uh, We're back with Tick and Montrose and they basically are working on the protection spell. And um, I, I found this interesting that Montrose admits to being dyslexic because he was he was working on practicing the chant and he said and Tick had to correct him on something and he was like, well, yeah, well, you know, I'm dyslexic and and Tick, this is what I love. Tick asks, yeah. well, are there any other secrets yeah. you're keeping? And Montrose gives this look, which makes me think that our theory mm-hmm. that Tick is not his yeah. son yeah. is going to, is that secret. <laughs> so. Um, so they do the spell and Tick is standing there nervous thinking like I'm not sure what's going to happen and this is going to hurt this is going to kill me and after mm-hmm. he does a chant nothing happens he's like did it mm-hmm. work they don't feel like anything happened yeah. so they felt like oh, okay well we did something wrong um, so then and this is an interesting scene we go to a scene with Christina she's at a pier with two white men um, she has paid them she has basically hired them and they're like, are you sure about this? And she's like, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. She basically paid them to beat her, shoot her, uh, tie her up with barbed wire, um, weigh her down and throw her into the river. She, and they're thinking like, they they leave saying that's a Mm. poor, you know, like who would want to die that way? Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. (laughs) And I thought at first, well, I was like, no, that's how they killed him in vulnerability. But then I realized, no, Mm -hmm. yes. Then that's when I remembered that's exactly in the same way that they killed image. She wanted to experience. And that was showing to me. And I feel like this is my prediction. So her doing this was showing how How she's impacting her is affecting her because Ruby. Yes. And I feel that although from Tick um, uh, reading the book and, and understanding the, uh, what's supposed to happen, that he's going to be sacrificed, that Ruby's, Ruby's purpose in all of this is to okay. change Christina, to affect her, to may, maybe change the direction, the course of what Christina's like, you know, yeah. purpose or how she goes about things. That's what I feel is going to happen because right. we know, I mean, Ruby's not a spy necessarily. Uh, I'm trying to understand Ruby's role in all of this. And I think Ruby's role in all of this is really that softening Christina, mm-hmm. just as how Christina even mentioned cousin earlier. It's like all I little don't know. tidbits to I don't show the so. softening. But I, I will say, I will say that <laughs> I, mean, I don't trust her in an, an, an empathetic move on her part to want to feel the pain because she knew she couldn't feel the pain of somebody who was black who witnessed something like that but she knew with her magic that she could literally put herself in Emmett Till's shoes and feel you know at least that you know what I mean and I I found that to be very empathetic on her part Um, I still don't trust her though (laughs) No, I, I, I'm with you. I don't trust her. Um, but I thought that was very um, powerful scene because it's not like, you know, she's doing it and she wants, um, she wants 
uh, Ruby to know, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know, she's like, I'm doing this for me to understand, um, which speaks um, more volumes to me. So now, next scene, we are back at Letty's and Letty is in the dark room and she's developing her film. Um, and Ruby comes in mm-hmm. and they start talking about Emmett's wake. Ruby, uh, basically it's just another moment where the sisters are just revealing stuff. Um, she tell Letty tells Ruby she's pregnant. Ruby mm-hmm. reveals that she knows basically everything and who William is actually is. Um, Letty's confronting Ruby about like, oh, so she's trying to get you to spy on her. And Ruby's like, no, she's, she is getting magic out of all of this. Um, and at that, as they're having this discussion and basically just, you know, both yeah. uh, having a sister moment, um, we hear a man's voice from upstairs. One of the, the tenants say, um, Letty, get up here now. At first mm-hmm. I thought it was Tick, but then I'm like, no, uh, Tick's not there. So uh, we go um, back to a scene where now Dee mm-hmm. is breaking into Georgia's shop and um, she's locking all the doors except mm-hmm. for the first. And she's like, she has this determination about her. She's like, I'm going to end this for good. I'm tired of this mess. I'm not going to be a victim. Um, so she's um, sitting he there. decides to draw and waiting. The, what she's seeing. Since yeah. she can't say it out loud of her mouth. Yeah, nice to draw it. Yeah, oh yeah, she made a bunch of drawings. I didn't first see she a drawing. I was like wondering and what she was she drawing. And then she noticed some some paper and stuff. Okay, so she started drawing the demon girls, at least their faces and, and stuff. The stuff she was yeah. seeing, and that was all the papers so, all around her later in that scene. So in this moment of the show, it's going back and forth between the scene with D and the scene at Letty's house. So. As Dee is preparing for these um, Bopsy and Topsy um, to come, we go back to Letty's house where we hear cops banging on the door and she, she peers out, yeah. out in the window and she sees she's surrounded by cops. Um, they, she opens, uh, Ruby opens the door and mm-hmm. uh, they want to search the premises. They're saying, they come up with excuses saying, we heard yeah. there's some nation of Islam, you know, um, activity here because of the events and we need a search blah 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 whatever some bullshit and then it goes back to D mm-hmm. preparing to fight um, Bopsy and Topsy and then goes back to Letty um, um, as the captain is talking about you know why they're there one, uh, one cop walks in when Ruby opens the door one cop walk, walks in but then the cop tries to walk in but he is blocked mm-hmm. by the spell that the witch doctor um, put which basically is a spell yeah. to keep anyone and with that's when harmful he knows magic that they out. have access to um, magic like he does and he makes them yeah. all quote unquote leave so yeah you know, leave the house yeah so they leave the cops quote unquote leave as you said yeah. and then they start shooting up the house um, and everyone ducks and all that jumps back to the scene with D the um, Bopsy and Topsy yeah. enter the shop in a very creepy way. <laughs> and Dee starts swinging. She's just swinging constantly. She's hitting, but you right. know, it's, it's right. hitting them, but it's not really affecting them because they keep coming. Then it goes back to Letty and the shots. This, this mm-hmm. is like a scene where the, they're shooting in slow-mo and Letty 
as they're they're ducking from all of this and you know the living room's yeah. getting shot up and everything letty sits up and now we're seeing these these bullets basically yeah. bouncing off of her mm-hmm. because we know that she has the market cane protecting her and then we're back at the shop um we have montrose now um entering the shop because he can hear letty yeah. or he can hear d like and kind of the, in distress um, as she is swinging, constantly swinging. Yeah. And he sees her swinging at air and he stops her and she's like, no, 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 they're here, they're here. Allowing... And basically, because he stops her swinging, um, mm-hmm. b- uh, one of the bopsy or topsy yeah, and they're clawing is at actually skin. now able to attack her. And she's, she, they're clawing and you can see like these dark marks mm-hmm. kind of starting to grow like in her veins and stuff. And we don't know what that outcome will be. We just know he's yeah, holding so her. Interestingly like, she enough, just seems you in distress, see, but she is. While he's holding pain. her and she's screaming and screaming and screaming, the blood pouring out of her arms and all over her dress and stuff like that. But he doesn't see it. Yes. He just sees her screaming. But we see it. Because yeah. we see those girls mess with her. And it's just like, oh, my God. Um, like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't. And then, okay, and this is the scene that I kept hearing. I heard this reaction and I knew what to prepare for, but I didn't know really Mm -hmm. what to prepare for. So we go back to Letty's and now we have Tick. He's walking down the street toward the house and he hears these shots and he realized where the shots are coming from. So he's running and he runs up to the street and he sees all of these cops shooting at the, um, the house and the cops seeing him now turn toward him Mm -hmm. And they're like, get your hands up. And he has his hands up and all that. And all the cops have their guns toward him. And Letty seeing this, um, she she runs out the yeah. house thinking they're about to, you know, they know, you know what's up. They're about to shoot him. Yeah. As we know, an arm, uh, unarmed man yeah. is the biggest threat. Unarmed black man is the biggest threat to these white cops. So they start firing and you see these, mm-hmm. the bullets firing off the slow-mo yeah. and you see Letty like no and that whole thing and as the bullet is approaching him we find out that the protection spell actually worked because one of Lovecraft's creatures yeah. comes from the bellows of hell out of the ground and decimates these cops then you start they start attacking and attacking you see a yep. cop flying through air you see one going through the car with with spikes it going through slaughter him. it's just a disgusting yeah. scene and the the captain is is uh mauled yeah. and arm ripped off and as as his arm rips off he shoots his gun shoots and it shoots one of the cars like uh the engine or the fuel fuel tank and that it's car great. explodes i was like holy crap it's this like, big scene. it was tearing through everybody <laughs> and at the end i you know it looks like it's trying to tear yeah d and, and tick i mean letty and tick um yeah they're like what in the world yeah they're yeah. scared because they know what realize they realize what these creatures could do and, like puts his head on tick's hand like it's a little pet and he was like what in the world like it's and a it pet ends. it's this guard right dog there. And I was just like, oh my God, great episode. <laughs> Excellent episode. Like I said, oh, earlier, the my pacing God. was perfect. Oh. Um, yes. It, it really got me ready for next week. 
you know? Oh, I yes, oof. yes, and I didn't oh, look at gosh, scenes for next week, so girl, I have no idea. I saw it. I'm not gonna spoil it, but oh my god, oof. I can't wait. <laughs> I really can't. Yeah, I'm telling you, every episode, every episode, even though you know, to me, it wasn't as fantasy like as the previous one. Yeah. It's like every it is. episode is fulfilling for its own reason, and it and it's full of like some symbolism and and it just ties everything together nothing is by chance that's why everything that they mm-hmm. say that kind of is like one-off little things i'm like <laughs> yeah. let me write this down because it's going to come back it's a great time. show um oh i love this show it's probably now it's going to be like on my top five yeah and i, I can't tell you what the other ones are I will right say off this. the top of my head but i can say it's I... top of yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm going to say that I am so (laughs) excited for what television is doing now with being so inclusive, finally. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, we've had black shows and we've had, you know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about? Like, we've had our good times and our, you know, Rock, Martin, Fresh Prince. We've had shows like that. But usually the primetime drama type shows were mostly white and had a few black characters, but it had white stories and centered around white culture. And it is what it is. We all bought into it because that's Mm -hmm. how society was going for so long. And the fact that we have so much more content out here that's showing our culture and our place in American history and our... it, It makes you feel... Literally, like you're finally included. Even if the history is painful at times, there's still beauty. Yeah, in it. there's still richness in it. And yeah, I, I just I'm really excited. It's a very creative way to incorporate our history into a whole different narrative without changing it, without yeah, you know, making the show about it. It's, it's, this is the atmosphere. This is the background. This is the reality of, and that's, that's the thing. Um, there are shows that I've watched and there was some show, um, hold on. I'm thinking about it. There's some show that I watched recently and hopefully it will come to mind um, where it just felt off because it's like, a, it's a period piece and they have black characters in positions, or not just okay. black characters, yeah. but other characters. Oh, Ratchet. Yeah. Ratchet. When Because um, we were talking about that. When I watch Ratchet, there are certain things about that show that felt inauthentic to me. Uh, one example is um, um, the, the governor's um, assistant's mm-hmm. husband. The fact that they're in an interracial relationship and that, you know, they're in this they're in this big beautiful house and they feel like their marriage of convenience is like proper for society and i'm like but yeah time wouldn't y'all be like looked at because you're interracial and i felt like the problem i had with that show is that they chose to ignore mm-hmm. things that were part of that atmosphere of the time or when it wasn't convenient there was just one one part of that whole show where they where a waitress made mention because there were two but minorities I think in a with um, him, um, cafe. The she said specifically, um, he tends to look at when he does shows. Yeah. How do I put it? 
it's based upon a culture that he probably would have liked to have seen. So it may have some of those historic elements underlying, yes. but he doesn't go all the way there. He kind of puts like, you know, a lot more of modern sensibilities into his shows. Yeah, it in yeah, in, 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 a, in a time that, seen it that you wouldn't often, see it or enough to where it's normal, considered to be normal, you know. And but the thing is. I can respect shows that you can tell that mm-hmm. they're like, okay, um, fuck races and all that. We're going to have people of all races and all that. And that's, that's how it is. And I'm like, okay, I can see where mm-hmm. you're going. So let me not expect, you know, these type of things, but for him right. to kind of do it half-ass, I'm like, either do it or don't do it. Like pick a lane. And so when he kind of touches on it a little bit, but then throws things that I'm like, that is inauthentic it throws me off because all I kept seeing instead of focusing on that scene about the husband and wife and all that, all I kept saying is like, but y'all are in their interracial relationship. So that's to me is a bigger controversy than your sexuality (laughs) at that time. So, you know, especially when they were in in the North East, but still. So it's like, I like that. I like that with Lovecraft Country, they're using the atmosphere, the realistic atmosphere that people are in during that time in their yeah. in the history. But the show is not about that, you know. It's it's just using that as okay, what is the like a sci-fi theme that could happen in this time to these these people and have it yeah. be as realistic as you can yeah. within this crazy fantasy world. And they 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 do it very very. It's a great well. show. I'm very um, happy about it. Oh, um, I love the show. Okay. I'll, so I want to <laughs> make speaking of period pieces that use historical accuracy correctly. Um, I recently watched uh, Penny mm-hmm. Dreadful City of Angels. So, okay, yeah. Can you before you go into it? Can you kind of explain the difference between yeah, that and different. the previous um, Penny Dreadful so, series? Uh, this is totally I, different, right? Okay. So the other Penny Dreadful, the earlier Penny Dreadfuls, um, followed the period of like, like England and Jack the Ripper times and things like that. Like there was a lot of the occult that was permeating into Mm -hmm. the culture there and so it follows that so this is this was more along the same timeline as a nurse ratchet um so what is that like 1950s yeah so 1950s los angeles um yeah and it follows the story of a boy who two two um angels one is an angel of death and one is um like a like a saintly angel of death, like a like um what they called her oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a saintly angel of death, and then there's a, like a chaotic demonic angel of death. And they are both fighting for souls. Mm-hmm. And they have this uh this bet basically a bet to mm-hmm. see who is able to collect the most souls. Um and this boy 
okay. is touched by the saintly angel and it kind of it kind of uh dictates a lot of stuff that happens in his life as he grows up as a young latino boy um in the 19 at this time he was young he was in the early 40s or late 30s so in the 1950s he has uh, worked his way up to become one of the first um detectives latino detectives ever in los angeles and this demon, the chaotic mm. demon of death, takes on different roles. Like the girl who actually plays her uh, takes on different roles in his life. Like she basically usurps herself into his life in different ways. Um, but he's dealing with racism, redlining mm-hmm. of the city, um, race wars and riots, um, all this kind of stuff that was happening. Um, Nazis infiltrating the country, um, specifically in Southern California at the time. And it's very interesting how they decided to tell the story of this boy, this man, rather, and the people he comes in contact with. Um, They did not renew it for a second season for various reasons. Um, I will say I understand why they buttoned it up pretty nicely in the last episode. Um, so where it didn't necessarily need another okay. season, but it's good. It's a good show to watch if you want something interesting, uh, some drama, uh, some suspense. And there is a mystery. Like all the Penny Dreadful shows, there is a mystery, an underlying mystery to the whole thing, which is revealed at the end. Um, I will give it... I'm, I would give it a medium popcorn. Dry, though. Um only because it does get kind of preachy okay. towards the end, but it's you can understand why they decided to do okay. that, and maybe they knew they weren't going to get a second season out of it. But um, the acting is great; it's got some um, heavy hitters in the cast, <laughs> people you've absolutely seen before in big shows. Um, yeah, I think it's worth it um, if you need to watch mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you. Do you feel like the show could have just had its own title? I, I like it didn't have to really to be a part make it of a penny, penny dreadful, dreadful thing because it de- deals with the occult and it deals with a, some sort of mystery, some kind of like psychological type mystery. But other than that, it's a complete departure okay. from the original Penny Dreadfuls. So okay, because I I like I like the yeah, previous Penny Dreadful three three of them. I guess. It was the two seasons, or three? I did two. Yeah, three. And I liked I liked the story for those three seasons. So yeah, I when I heard that they were coming back, I'm like, yeah, it was How? cool. Okay, <laughs> but okay. Well, that that's good to know because I I I have it on like yeah my queue list of something to watch one day. So I will. Um, I haven't. So I actually was trying to watch a new show because I mm-hmm. wanted to talk about it but I haven't had time so hopefully I will be able to talk mm-hmm. about it next week um, I'm not going to mention what that show is but what I'm going to talk about though there are two shows that I have seen a while back on Amazon Prime that you know they're, it's not, they didn't just come out so um, and they're not new to talk about but they ha- may have gone under the radar and I feel like they need to be known um mm-hmm. 
No, I one of the, them um, is called Upload. The previews for it. Did you see that? Not the show. Upload is such a good show. Mm-hmm. It's such a good, solid series. Um, and it's basically it's a sci-fi show, uh, a more fantasy than like sci-fi. But uh, mm-hmm. basically, it reminds me of if you were a fan of Black Mirror, and there there was a, there was a episode of Black Mirror that was called like Sand Something. It was ba- basically about the this world that is mm-hmm. created for people that are dying or when they okay. are dead um reminds me a little bit of vanilla sky and all of that so um basically to upload there is this whole um world this um uh, virtual reality world that um is a whole business in this in this society where when you die if you have enough money or or credits or something, you can be uploaded to mm-hmm. basically live out the rest of your existence or however long you want to in paradise. And of course, it, it tackles kind of like a class system because people that have money can afford these great, um, uh, they're, they're different, I will say different okay. um let's call them platforms. <laughs> so one platform may be this grand mm-hmm. um, lake lake um, area where, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a hotel and it's by a lake and it's beautiful. I forgot what they called it. But there, there are other platforms that maybe if you can't afford the, the expensive mm-hmm. stuff, you could still have a decent afterlife. It's just a little bit more modest. And then there, there are, for people that really can't afford or they run out of money, it's kind of like, what do you do with them? You put them in this cell that might as well be prison or like an asylum. Mm-hmm. And they basically are frozen until someone gives them some credits. So they may, they have like the most basic plan, like a data plan and mm-hmm. they only get a certain amount per month. So they're frozen until the next month comes. And then, so it's, it's interesting how they laid out this whole world, but it follows um, mm-hmm. um, this guy that, um, has an untimely death and this is not a spoiler because that's part of the show he has an untimely death and he is in a relationship with a rich rich girl that mm-hmm. I w- let me say this his death could have been prevented it's something that when people are not sure if you're going to die or not they may take take make the decision right. hey let's upload him before you die because if you die then they can't upload you and so he- there's that also that ethical um aspect of are you really trying to save people Mm -hmm. or do people kind of off themselves off to have a better life in the afterlife and so before he really he probably could have been saved there was an accident that happened he probably could have been saved but because she wanted to ensure that he will be uploaded Mm -hmm. so they can live their life happily whenever she eventually dies um she um manipulated or forced (laughs) um the acceleration of a decision for him to basically be uploaded. And once you're uploaded, yeah. the way that they yeah. have to upload you, there's no going back. <laughs> you can't go back to your body. Um, and so it's basically about him getting used mm-hmm. to this life that he didn't really ask for um, and finding out, um, um, I, I guess really exploring his feelings about it. Also, there are people that are basically like customer service for 
the the people that are uploaded. Like if they're issues, they're mm-hmm. they're kind of like your your own personal Alexa or or whatever. So you, they can call on them and they help. And he forms this bond or a okay. good relationship with his. You can call it a handler or helper. So it's a really really good show, and it tackles a lot of aspects, but on a very light level it's not intense it's not dark or anything it it has kind of a a good place feel like the good place um but not too campy so that was a really good show a series that probably i think it was earlier this year that that um was released um Um, there was before talking about the other uh, show did you have any others that you were watching this documentary on netflix um I think it's called American Murder. I'm so sorry. My bad. Small technical difficulty. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I was trying to look up the name of it. And when I opened Netflix, it shut it off. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, American Horror Story, Next Door Neighbor, something like that. And Mm -hmm. um, not that it was a waste of time. I just, with everything going on in the world right now, I just didn't need to be reminded of how cruel and utterly evil people can be yeah Um, i can see that because i remember the story when it came out like it wasn't that long ago Mm -hmm. um and i remember thinking when they interviewed the man um it was the it was the guy in colorado who they found murdered his whole family um and i remember watching that um news story when it broke like, oh, man, I hope he finds him. I hope, I think they're kidnapped. And, you know, we were thinking all kinds of things. And the guy was literally being interviewed like, yeah, you know, wherever you are, I hope you come home. And then watching the documentary and actually watching the police tapes, watching behind the scenes, all this kind of stuff. You just, you were looking at a monster the entire time and you just didn't see it. But then once you realized how he did what he did, they started going, they, they were smart. The documentarians were smart to kind of go back to early footage mm-hmm. to kind of show his tells. Mm-hmm. And I was like, good Lord. Like, it's so easy sometimes to just believe people at face value, you know? Wow. And he fooled every, he fooled everybody for a, for a minute. Um, but then once the cops they knew what he did like almost the next day. Wow. But he kept denying and they were showing the tapes of the interrogation tapes of how he kept denying and stuff. It, it's, it's entertaining if you like the true crime genre of mm-hmm. uh, documentaries and things like that. I just, I'm not going to say it was a waste of time, but it was a waste of time for me because I wasn't, <laughs> I, cause it's a good documentary. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I, I wasn't, in the mindset at the time to 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 be like I said to be reminded of the evil in men's hearts sometimes um and people don't realize most of the time when people are murdered especially when it's a woman or children that are murdered it's usually a a father, a husband, or something like that. It's usually almost always, they said it was like 80% of the time. Mm. So it's something to really, you know, think about when it comes to when we're talking about protecting women and protecting black women in particular. Um, It's easy to overlook uh, 
domestic abuse, it's easy to overlook uh, when things are going wrong. And I know we tend to say, oh, that's their marriage or that's their family. I'm not going to bother with it. But there's sometimes tells and there's sometimes things that seem off that Mm -hmm. we as women tend to not raise red flags on when in actuality they could be really, really, really problematic. So I I just found it interesting in that way. Um, I'm not going to give a rating. I just, if you want to watch it, you can. Um, Okay. That was it. Yeah. That reminds me, I forgot to give rating for um, upload. Yeah. Upload. I will give it a good, um, I definitely will give it a large popcorn with light butter. Oh, okay. Yes. It was right. I, I really couldn't find anything wrong with it. I think I just want more. Okay. <laughs> so, That's a yeah. That's frustrating. Okay. Yeah, it was a really good show. Okay. Um, the other show I want to mention is one that came out about a year ago. I know it was October, um, so probably just about a year ago this time. And it's Upload is on Amazon Prime, and this, this show is on Amazon Prime as well, and it's called Modern Love. Did oh, you yeah. ever see that? No. I'm not interested in the, in the romance drama things, personally. It's- no, so I'm going to convince you otherwise. Okay. So I love the show because it's it's about nine episodes and every episode is different. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe in the last episode, they kind of tie all of them together. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of some other like movies like Paris, Jetem, um, or New York, I Love You or whatever those like there's individual stories that all kind of center around this theme. Mm-hmm. And so the show center is called Modern Love, but it's not it's not necessarily a romance um, obviously there, some of the, the individual shows, um, the individual episodes can deal with a romance or it could be the end of a, a relationship, but yeah. it's not necessarily that it's a depressing episode. Um, I think it really, it exhibits like different aspects of love that normally you don't see. Some of them are, um, more f- familiar love or like, a bond between individuals that it's not romantic, but it's still love. It's like a caring yeah. um, that it's beautiful. One of the stories, so it, it stars a lot of different people. Um, it has like Anne Hathaway, Tina Fey, Andy Garcia, Dev Patel, mm-hmm. um, some other people. And one of the episodes that to me stood out very well, like I, it, I, it taught me something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, the the one with Anne Hathaway. Okay. And I'm going to at least tell this story. So in it, she um, she meets this guy at the grocery store. And she's kind of having like this really, really almost hokey day. Like it feels like a musical. It seems mm-hmm. a little like unbelievable how like cheerful. You might as well see like little animated birds flying around her like yeah. Snow White or something. Because she's just she's just so giddy and she meets this guy at this grocery store and they just kind of bond or hit it off very well. And just the, the connection is so strong and perfect. It's almost like too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And I think they, uh, after leaving the grocery store, they go and get some coffee because there's a little diner down and they're just so excited about each other. And, you know, so they make plans to like, you know, have an actual proper date. Yeah. And she's so excited about him. She goes to work and she's like, you know, just on it. Everything is just, you're just like, okay, I'm feeling this. This, this is probably the, that new relationship energy mm-hmm. episode about that. And 
as she goes home and I think um, she's preparing for her date. This is maybe a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. She's preparing for her date and all that. She's looking in the mirror. She's putting on her makeup and something just like, like a shift happens. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she just becomes really, really depressed, really down, just like, oh. just breaks down and all sorts of stuff. And then, she 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 basically goes into her room and she can't she lays down in the bed and she can't move mm. and the guy shows up at her apartment and he's like ringing and ringing because this is i think in new york so he's ringing and trying to get buzzed in but she never answers mm-hmm. and, and he's like man you know what happened yeah. like you know so he goes home and you learn basically you go through this journey with her of being bipolar oh. you learn that she's bipolar and you can kind of see her manic phase and her depressive phase and how it affects relationships and how it affects connecting with others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously this is not, they didn't get to a place where she could even talk to him about that. And so you're like, no, no, he's leaving. Like he was the perfect guy. Don't let him leave. And how she's just so stuck and she can't get out of it. And then, um, then time passes and she's kind of, out of her depressive state and she's back and I think she either bumps into him or something and he's like hey what happened Mm -hmm. and she's like oh you know I'm sorry I'm sorry and so you you basically are going down this journey with her and not only because she even though she knows that she has not gotten help for it and um so I thought that was a very interesting take because I know um I have uh, quite a few friends that are um um dealing with either bipolar or manic depressive and I have witnessed how it does affect their relationships with people. And I remember early, one of my close friends a long time ago, Mm -hmm. he had a girlfriend and this was around the time when he was kind of understanding this about himself and going through this. I remember she broke up with him and I used to think like, how could she do that? She's so insensitive. Mm -hmm. Doesn't he, she understand. And now like it kind of, it made me a little, I felt sorry for her too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, if someone does not know you're going through this and knowing how to handle these ups and downs right. and how to not actually take it personally, um, not everyone can, can be there yeah, for that. But also just, especially if you don't know how that really can play a role in how they probably are feeling about themselves. Cause they're like, wow. Like, and how it affected him and his outlook on love and relationships. It, it, that episode alone just set showed so much mm-hmm. and it, it is about love, but it wasn't about love. Yeah. <laughs> it's about kind of the struggles of dating with um, when you have um, some um, mental or, you know, some type of, I don't want to call it really a disorder because it feels like that's, that's not a really right term, but when you're dealing with some mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So all of all in all, the whole series was really interesting. There are some stories that are obviously a lot more intriguing than others, but I think all of them felt significant and impactful for their own in their own way. And I I do think it's worth watching. Okay, if you kind of just needed a break from kind of some other type of genre and not if even if you're not really into romance because it's not necessarily like I said really like rom com. Okay. Or um. So I definitely would give it. I think uh, I'll give it a like a medium popcorn with good butter. Okay. On it. Yeah, it's a good solid series. I if they come back, they don't need to, but if they came back with more stories, I would like it. Nice. So. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Well, 
we did it. Another episode down, talking about Lovecraft Country. Great yeah. show, man. Like kudos again to Miss Misha Green and her direction and what she's doing with the writing. It's just great. I'm excited. We have two more episodes till the end of the season. And yeah. I'll be sad because I, I think this will be a one-off as well, unless they do like a Penny Dreadful and do it, and get, do like a Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country Reloaded or something like that for season two. Because it's, it's all, it's all about this one book and there's no other book. Yeah. So if they do it, then they're going to have to probably just, they would go um, have to go off the dome with it. Cause yeah, and we know what happened with um, Game of Thrones when they did oh, that, so let's not. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thanks for tuning in, you guys, and hopefully I'll be listening in next week when we're going to talk about episode nine. <laughs> uh, we are Real Snobs, and find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Comment, like, uh, leave, leave a message if you like. I had the pleasure, and I wish uh, a friend of mine tonight sent me random texts as he was watching this episode, and I wish that he sent them as voice messages so we could include them, because <laughs> I, his reaction is like that live tweeting. Yeah. It was hilarious, <laughs> and that's what I love. So I would love to hear reactions to some of these shows, because everything I've been seeing online, mm-hmm. we need to hear that, and you may be featured in the upcoming yeah. episode, possibly. <laughs> so um, drop us a line. Yep. Until then, I'm signing off. Bye, guys. Good night, y'all.